Welcome to Knowledge on the Go, the podcast brought to you by the Performance Improvement Programs team at Vizient. I'm Amber Hanser, Senior Performance Improvement Director here at Vizient and your host for today's episode. With the current workforce challenges and staffing shortages, there's a nationwide call to action to strengthen the healthcare workforce. The American Hospital Association has projected a shortage of more than 100,000 physicians over the next 10 years. And a recent survey conducted by Wakefield and Olive found that 92% of clinicians agree that too much time spent on administrative tasks is a major contributor to burnout. Due to this, healthcare leaders are turning to innovation, tech, and alternative staffing models to address these challenges. Today, we'll examine what health organizations can do to improve their operational efficiency, workforce optimization, and redesign of models of care. Joining me to discuss this is Dr. Jacqueline Hurd, Principal of Clinical Workforce Strategy here at Vizient. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Amber, and thank you so much for inviting me to the podcast, and please call me Jackie. Thank you, Jackie. Please tell us a little bit about your role at Vizient and your passion for this topic. Well, I've been at Vizient now for nine months, and my role as um, strategy is really leading clinical workforce optimization, labor, leveraging analytics, regulatory, legislative guidelines, AI, technology to guide our providers in transformational care redesign. So I'm not new to strategy. Prior to joining Vizient, I have probably over 25 years of experience as a chief nursing officer, most recently at Grady Health System. So being accustomed to really leading and being the voice of nursing in the C-suite. I had administrative responsibility, leadership, advisory, and liaison with physicians. So strategy is not something that's new, but I'm really looking forward in terms of my passion and everything that I have learned over the last 25 years, really being able to help our providers in terms of redesigning the care delivery models. And how phenomenal that you have experience working at a member site, and now you get to apply what you know from your many, many years of experience and expertise. Jackie, everyone wants to know about workforce and future models of care. Why do we need to even consider different models of care? Amber, when I think back over my years, starting as a nurse in the emergency department and then obviously in leadership, what I have found... And what I believe to be true is that things that we have done in the past, and whether it's the last five years, definitely if you go further back, it's not going to work in terms of the future needs. I always say, as long as I've been a nurse, there's been a nursing shortage. And I think we all have heard and recently read in terms of how COVID-19 really expedited that nursing shortage, but it's not only just a nursing shortage, it's a shortage within whether it's physicians, whether it's respiratory therapists, you know, we're really in this field where we are even now seeing that even for our lower paid staff in terms of our clinicians that are important and supporting the providers on the team, we're competing with retail. So we're going to have to look at doing things differently. We will never be able to bridge that gap in terms of bringing on more physicians, bringing on more nurses, bringing on more therapists, unless we look at doing things differently. 
as you stated earlier, COVID-19, one of the things that we definitely saw is that it just really extubated the burnout from clinicians. We have physicians, we have nurses, we have other clinicians that are just tired. I mean, they're exhausted. They're stressed out. They lost their joy. That's the one thing about being in healthcare. It's like you have this passion and you have this joy. And so you're going in and you're doing phenomenal things. And when you lose that joy because you're just tired. So we have to go back in and redesign how we really look at healthcare. You've heard the term models of care. And for Vizient, our strategy is really looking at what we call the three R's recruitment, retention, and reimagining the care delivery. And when we talk about reimagining, it's changing who does the work, redesigning how the work is done, and also how do we make the work more efficient so that we can really put a stop to the burnout and the exhaustion that we're seeing within our healthcare providers. And when you think about doing things differently and applying different models to that redesign and reimagining how the work is done, what are the different models of care that are being discussed? When we talk about being more efficient, it's like, how do we leverage the technology and the analytics as helping us to define what the work looks like? For example, the electronic medical record documentation talk about being more efficient. There's so much redundancy in terms of when you're looking at documentation, and then we find ourselves kind of getting into the spiral of something happens and we just add more documentation, more documentation. And you hear a lot of clinicians talking about being burnt out from the documentation. So we really need to be more efficient. And even within our environment, we talk about lean designs, how organizations set up so that you don't have a lot of foot traffic, whether it's the nurse, whether it's the physician, how do we design the care that they're more efficient in terms of going in and out, assessing that patient? And also another area we talk about being more efficient, it's really using data and analytics to talk about what is the staffing? What are the resources that we need to start our day? We know things are different on days and night, but if we're staffing exactly the same and doing the same thing, is that being more efficient of our time versus using analytics and data and saying, okay, these are the flow and peaks where we really need to put all of our resources there. In addition to that, we're talking about redesigning the work and really looking from a team approach, utilizing virtual care to be able to not just completely eliminate the person, but how do you use that virtual care to augment the people that are at the bedside providing the care? telemedicine. We saw that explode during COVID-19. You know, we talked about telemedicine forever and a day. As long as I can remember, then all of a sudden within a couple of months, we were able to hit it and roll it out. So it's like, how do we start maximizing in terms of the technology, in terms of helping us to redesign the work that we do? The other thing is change who does the work. You know, I think historically, and I can say that because I'm a nurse, to say, okay, no one can start an IV like I can. But, you know, we have to start looking at 
the roles that each discipline plays and say, are they really practicing to the top of their license? Are there other individuals that can assume some of those tasks, the things that we have thought made us, whether it's the physician or the nurse or the therapist? So those are the things that when we're looking at in terms of the different models of care is just kind of tapping all of that into how does it look for the future? That's helpful. And I think there's a wide variety of work that's being done, right? It's not one golden nugget that's going to change or fix everything. I heard you mention top of license and or certification. Help me understand what does that entail? You're hearing that a lot. It seems to be that common phrase. It's like, okay, everybody needs to practice to top of license and certification. And we say license and certification because physicians, nurses, you know, there are certain individuals that have a license, but some of the care team members don't have a license, but they have a certification. So it's how do we make sure that each individual is practicing to the top of what they were trained to do. So when we're talking about training for clinical care, when you look at the the members are on the healthcare team, they all have different training. The nurses train different from the physician, the physical therapist, the occupational therapist, the pharmacist, the LPN, which we're hearing a lot more about. We all have different training. So how do you look at what exactly is that nurse doing at the bedside that that task can be delegated or assigned to someone else? versus a nurse. So for example, when we talk about in terms of nurses, whether it's nurses starting IVs, that's a technical skill. There are other individuals on the team that can be trained to start those IVs. When you talk about specialty and training, look at the pharmacist. The pharmacists are the experts in terms of medication management and knowing side effects. So can their role be leveraged even more so, not only in the acute care setting, but also in the ambulatory setting, because we're talking about redesigning the work is not just in the acute, it's also in the ambulatory space because we see that there are gaps there as well. So how do you bring on these different team members to be able to practice to the top of their scope? So how do we make sure that it's not redundant, but that those who are trained are really taking on those skills to the top of their license? And I'm glad you brought up the pharmacist. We're hearing that a lot in our collaborative participants, the use of medication nurses or pharmacy techs or just reintegrating the pharmacist into the care team um, and really utilizing that expertise. And also when you had mentioned the social workers and the use of staff in both ambulatory and in the acute care setting, one of our organization's really focused on the use in the ambulatory setting of their community health workers. I know that that piece was really of interest to kind of that bridge of once they leave the acute care setting and go back into their community, how can we utilize those staff to handle chronic care management and ongoing maintenance of the patients? Any thoughts there? You're spot on regarding that, Amber. When we start looking at the whole care continuum, and when you talk about the community health workers, They live in the same community. They understand what are those nuances because it's helping that person to understand 
this is the type of diet. I can relate to that because we come from the same culture. So this is the type of food that I eat. So what do I need to do differently for me to have that conversation with someone that I can completely understand and say, okay, you got high blood pressure and I know we like to eat our food this way, but we're going to have to lay off the sodium. We're going to have to lay off the salt. So what you're finding in terms of those community health workers, because they're coming from that same community, that same culture, they know each other, they have that trust are playing a pivotal role in terms of when patients are leaving the hospital, when they're leaving the ambulatory service, and they're going back to their community. So that person is there to kind of coach and to kind of give that guidance there because they've developed that relationship. Thanks, Jackie. What is holding back clinicians from working top of license now? So let's talk about the LPN, first of all. The problem is that we have a whole group of nurses, physicians, and other clinical healthcare providers that don't know how to work with that LPN. Can they do the assessment? Can they not do the assessment? Can they collect the information? They can't push certain IV medications. So there are a lot of things that they couldn't do, and it was always having to train and make sure that the members of the team understood what they could do. It's probably been over 10 years or more that we have probably not utilized the LPN so much in the inpatient setting that we're having to go back and really develop this kind of robust training onboarding program, not only for LPNs, but then also for the people that are working with the LPNs. Because what shifted is that when we moved away from using LPNs in the hospital settings, then the schools started teaching them how to work in the skilled nursing facilities, because that's predominantly where they were finding work. And so we had to go back and partner with academia to say, okay, we need them to be really trained in terms of being able to go into the acute care setting and being able to support the nurse. Hospitals that are testing and bringing the LPNs back in the fold to fill that gap because we just can't hire enough nurses. And so therefore it's bringing the LPNs back into the workforce. We need to understand in terms of our clinicians, whether it's pharmacists, whether it's respiratory therapists, the physical therapists, occupational therapists, farm techs, what is their training? And when you line that up in terms of what nurses are doing, how can we fill that gap? And so I think it's just really understanding, number one. And I think the other piece is that sometimes I think we we kind of were our worst enemy in terms of wanting to take on these things and that we're the only ones that can do that. And that's not true. There are other individuals who are trained in that aspect as well. So clearly it's understanding the work and working together and then looking at that whole team dynamics as to how that works. Switching gears just slightly, I'd like to dive into a different role for a nurse, which is the virtual nursing. Jackie, what is virtual nursing and how does that bridge the gap of what we've been talking about today? So basically, the virtual nurse is utilizing the technology and having a shared responsibility. So you've got your technology, you've got a nurse behind a camera that's visualized in the patient's room, and she's sharing the responsibility of patient care with the bedside nurse. When I think back, and this was probably years ago when we talk about nursing and how can we be more efficient, and we called it, it was a mobile admission nurse. 
And I'm going to use that as an example, because when you talk about that initial assessment that the nurse has to do when that patient is admitted to the hospital, and your typical med surge patient, your nurse may have anywhere from four to six, depending on where you are, even more than that patient. And so if you think about that initial assessment that normally would probably take about 15 to 20 minutes in terms of the intake information and the assessment that the nurse has to do, but just think about if or whether or not you're starting something and then somebody calls you because you got another patient that needs pain medication. So when all the stop and go, that 20 minutes can easily turn into two to three hours to complete that assessment. We look at our shared responsibility between the virtual nurse and the bedside nurse. The virtual nurse can collect that information and do that intake information and can get it done much more timely. Therefore, it's freeing up the bedside nurse to be able to attend to and really to spend time with their other patients. And organizations, some are much further along in their journeys than others, and others have different components of that virtual nurse. We saw a lot of that obviously popping up during COVID, but the virtual nurse can take on the responsibility of the reconciliation, admission of new patients, review the record for trends and alerts, the one thing that they would share together is really about educating and rounding on our patients, documentation, talking to the families, collaborating with the interprofessional team. We are seeing that continue to grow and it's kind of feeling it doesn't replace the bedside nurse, but it helps to fill that gap where it frees up that bedside nurse so that she can attend to the other patient. And we're also seeing the virtual nurse when we talk about redesigning. We've seen our nurses leave because, you know, they're ready for retirement because it's hard. So we find that some of our more mature nurses, that this is a great opportunity in terms of bringing them back into healthcare because now we haven't lost that knowledge base that they have. And so really tapping into them also in terms of their virtual nurse. So we're seeing that there's definitely more and more to come regarding that and organizations are really tapping into how to kind of bridge that gap. And some early results are showing that it definitely helps. The nurses are happy. The nurses enjoy it. There's more engagement. They're not as burnt out. So it it is definitely a plus. And I'm pretty sure that we're going to see more and more of that in terms of our whole redesigning care model delivery. How exciting, Jackie. Thank you for walking us through that. And it's great when the outcomes include anything from reduced burnout to increased well-being and new models. We so appreciate your time today. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this edition of Knowledge on the Go. Thank you, Jackie, for joining us and sharing your insights. You've given us a lot of good information to work on. And thank you to all of our listeners for taking the time to join us today. Please join us for more Knowledge on the Go podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, and send us your comments at collaboratives at vizientinc.com. For Vizient's Performance Improvement Programs team, I'm Amber Hanser. Have a great day.